Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of The Adam Eisen Show. We're on to episode 16 now, and I've got a great show lined up for you guys today. It is going to be on the shorter side today because I've got a big week planned for next week. It's Super Bowl week. I'm going to be having a bunch of guests on, so be sure not to miss episode 17. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Before we get into the my championship weekend reaction and all that, as you guys know, on Tuesday, a man who won seven Super Bowls, who's possibly the GOAT of all GOATs, has won many MVPs, won Super Bowls for two teams, and is the best to ever play football, retired. I just want to send a thank you to Tom Brady for all that you've done with the league and for the league. Over the last 20 some odd years, I think it was 22, 23 that he has been in the NFL. The NFL has gone through all sorts of changes. He represented the NFL Players Association in the 2011 battle with the CBA, NFLPA during the lockout and all that. And he was a real representation of what a leader, a hard worker, and what a great football player is like. So thank you, Tom Brady, and I look forward to hopefully seeing you back in the football world in a couple of years, whether that be coaching, analysts, whatever it may be. Thank you, Tom. Now, let's go ahead, jump into it with Championship Weekend. I want to start off today with the Bengals at the Chiefs. As you guys all know, Joe Burrow went into Arrowhead and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I picked the Chiefs' money line. I did have Bengals plus seven, but I picked the Chiefs' money line. Didn't think the Bengals were going to be able to get it done, but they actually absolutely shut down Patrick Mahomes in the second half. And before I get too into the game, first I want to say something about the overtime rules. No one seems to be complaining this week. And why is that? Because both teams got the ball, obviously. But last week when the Chiefs and the Bills uh, went in the overtime and the Chiefs got the ball first and everybody was pissed. And then I came on here and said, it's history, guys. This is the way it's been. If you can't go out and win in the ASC divisional round and your first 11 to 13 possessions, then you don't get to make that call. Yeah, it comes down to a coin toss. It sucks, but that's the way it is. The NFL overtime rules have always had history behind them. They are put in a place for a reason. As you saw this past weekend, it's not a guarantee that an offense is going to go out there and score. And everybody that's rooting for like the college overtime rules, honestly, to me, the college overtime rules kind of seem like junior high rules. They're just dueling it out. They're not bringing in all parts of the game. You're not even factoring in special teams during the... How are you just going to leave out special teams? Special teams almost single-handedly lost a playoff game for the Packers, and you want to throw them out come overtime? An NFL team takes all 53 players to make plays, and it does not just come down to a coin toss. This is history. I get why people get upset. Believe me, I have been on the bad side of numerous coin tosses. But it's part of it. The Chiefs now, they won both coin tosses in back-to-back weeks and lost one of the two of those. It's not always confirmed, even with 
a special, really great talent at quarterback. And that's where I'm going next with this segment is talking about Patrick Mahomes. Now, obviously, everybody knows that Patrick Mahomes is a magician. He's a special talent, and it's probably like something we've never seen before in this league. That's one trait we know about him. And I think the second trait that we are beginning to learn about Patrick Mahomes is when he gets bad, he gets bad quick. And it it happens every, it's happened now a couple years in a row. He's gone through, obviously, the midseason slides, and then he comes back out of it. But in that AFC Championship games, he was red hot. And then all of a sudden, it was like a deflation. It was like a balloon letting out all of its air. He was just done. He didn't have the same mannerisms on the sideline. He wasn't acting the same way. And he just, it seemed to me, honestly, he lost all of his confidence. And it was even, it was most evident on the pick and overtime that the Bengals got Patrick Mahomes just wasn't there mentally. And now I, I talked about this about eight weeks ago. And for, I'm going to say this. Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent. He's one of the best quarterbacks this league has ever seen. But every single quarterback, including Tom Brady, has their downfalls. Tom was never real mobile. He's not a big athlete. You know how he makes up for that? He is the biggest football IQ you can get. And he works harder than anyone else ever will, other than Jerry Rice, probably. Now, you go to Patrick Mahomes' scouting report, which brought up a little while ago. It's just a few of the points from his cons. Decision-making can go from good to bad in a moment's notice. Willingness to default to playground style appears to limit his ability to get in a constant rhythm. Impatient, does not have a repeatable passing motion, and can be inconsistent in his approach, which I think is what all we saw last weekend in the second half. The second it started not go his way, he started to lose his confidence. Guys, he's on he's under 25, I believe, still. He's extremely young. Josh Allen goes through stuff. Joe Burrow is going to go through plenty of things. Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. All these guys go through rough patches. Patrick Mahomes, his thing, until he gets it fixed, is it's going to be he goes from really good to really bad really fast. And it's hard for him to fix it because not a real repeatable passing motion, and he's impatient. He goes for the big play nonstop. Like I said, I'm bringing this up because all young quarterbacks go through it. Tom Brady wasn't real mobile. Everyone has a downside to them, and Mahomes, he just gets really cold really quick. Don't get me wrong. He's gone now to four straight AFC championships, and it's 2-2, two and two. Could have been 3-1 and one if it wasn't for the D-forward offsides against Brady. He's a generational talent. But it's not all perfect like it was the first couple years. And know that not every quarterback is going to ball and be perfect every single year. Appreciate what we're seeing with the four straight AFC championships. Now going on to the other team from the Bengals and Chiefs matchup. The Bengals, in my opinion, this game came down more to the Chiefs losing it 
than the Bengals winning it. And Burrow's stats back me up there. He did not have a great day on the stat line. He really did not even start racking up anything like yards, such as anything until halfway through the third quarter. And But I just want to say way to go for the Bengals. They deserve it. That many people started this season, including me. I didn't think the Bengals would be here. A lot of people thought they were going to finish last in the AFC North. The only person, actually, no, I can't even think of a person. I, I don't know. Oh, wait, no, Dan Orlovsky. Dan Orlovsky picked the Bengals to win the North and said the Super, they could make it to the Super Bowl. I didn't think that could be true. Many other people, Stephen A. Smith, people like that, didn't think that could be true. Look at him now. And what I want to talk about with the Bengals is what Joe Burrow is doing. What Joe Burrow is doing is the definition of value for a player. Zach Taylor, their head coach, was going to be fired soon. He Before Burrow got there, Burrow had the torn ACL last season, too. He didn't... Uh, Team Zach Taylor didn't have a good rest of the season. Before Burrow got there, he was 6-25. and 25. The Bengals have a terrible ownership. They have no indoor practice facility. This I saw this last night. It popped up on my TikTok. The Bengals had to practice at the University of Cincinnati's indoor practice facility this week. And honestly, what I took from that, it's more of a joke, but it's because they're not used to having to play this late in the season and in this cold of weather. They're straight like they for them to have terrible ownership. Zach Taylor not expected to do much was six and 25 before Burrow got there. No indoor practice facility got sacked nine times versus the Titans and their offensive line has been abysmal all year. What Joe Burrow is doing is the definition of value for a team, and he should be given the house. I said it a few weeks ago, and I still stand by it. I think Rodgers deserves the MVP. It's a regular season award. Playoffs don't play a factor into it. But Burrow, more than anyone else, deserves some MVP votes for second place. We go through this every couple of years with player. Rodgers was in this case for a couple of years where we had terrible ownership, not ownership, but terrible GMs, not great coaching, and Rodgers was putting the team on his back, and he deserved MVP. And I think players like that always deserve some love and always deserve some MVP votes. Going on to the next game from Championship Weekend, the 49ers at the Rams. The Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Great for them after selling out this season. And... Guys, Matthew Stafford has impressed me so much. He's equipped for exactly what he's equipped with exactly what he needs to get through these playoffs. You have to be so mentally strong to go through games like last Sunday's at SoFi. It was a 49ers stadium. If you guys saw videos, it was all red in there. They were losing. And Matthew Stafford showed poise out there on that football field. The best fourth quarter QBR this season, best second half completion, went out there and put the team on his back. The city of L.A. needs to be sending a thank you letter to the city of Detroit for the hell they put Matthew Stafford through for 13 years. 
because without that, Matthew Stafford would not have made it through these playoffs, would not have thrown those two balls to Cooper Cup when they were tied 27-27 against Tampa with only 30 seconds left. He wouldn't have done any of that. But Matthew Stafford being in Detroit for all those years, having the most fourth quarter comebacks since he came into the league, And everyone thought that was just Detroit and they were just always behind. No, that was Stafford. Stafford having the fight and been doing this for so long. Stafford is mentally and physically built to lead this team no matter what situation they're put into. This organization is all in this year. There's pressure on McVay. There's pressure on Stafford. There's pressure on the GM, the whole team, Vaughn Miller, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, everybody. Pressure all around the field. Guess what Matthew Stafford loves the most? Pressure. He thrives under it. He's been thriving under it for years in Detroit. And now he comes to the Rams with an actual team. He's able to do whatever he wants. Playing a Niners team who has owned them, crumbling beneath Tom Brady when they were up 27 to 3. He has had the weight on his shoulders for the last few weeks. Not to mention he lost acres from us the whole season. Lost his best tight end in the championship game. Lost his wide receiver, too, in Robert Woods. And guess what? None of that mattered because Matthew Stafford has been losing people for 13 years, has been losing, coming back, and winning games for 13 years, and he showed more grit and more fight than I have seen out of an NFL player. Uh, not I've said I've seen a lot of grit and a lot of fight and a lot of players. Matthew Stafford shows something different, and it's incredible to see. I'm not going to dive too much into the Super Bowl yet this week because I don't want to make my picks yet. I want to do some more research. Really let the practices develop. There as stuff comes out of the practices, stuff like that. Injuries could happen. You never want to say your thoughts until a couple days before the big game. Going on to the other team, the 49ers, I think this game was the perfect way to describe Jimmy G's career with the 49ers. Come to find out the other day, he was hurt for almost the whole season. The Niners drafted Trey Lance, which in majority of cases, when you draft a QB third overall, it's only going to hurt your starter. But in this case... That that didn't happen at all. Jimmy G battled. Jimmy G rallied. Jimmy G had the whole team behind his back. And the whole season, he displayed poise and led his team to this moment. And many other guys on the team have given him credit for it. He has always been good enough to get you there. But in the fourth quarter, he was a letdown. And Matthew Stafford was a baller like he's been for 14 years. Over the last three playoffs... Any team with a 10-point lead in the fourth are now 19-2. and two. Any team with a 10-point lead heading into the fourth, 19-2, and two, guys. The two losses have come from Jimmy Garoppolo. He is absolutely good enough to get you a Super Bowl and to win you a couple games in the playoffs, but he's not good enough to duel with this next generation of quarterback that is coming up. 
The 49ers, after this game, have the opportunity to move on from him and bring in their young gun, which I 100% 100 expect the 49ers to do. I think it's the smart choice. With the way the league's going, you need someone who can ball out, throw the ball downfield, mess with the defense, do stuff like that. Trey Lance in his two starts has looked relatively good, and in training camp, he is going to need all of the snaps he can get if this team wants a chance at running it back next year. I think this is the perfect time to move on from Jimmy G. If you wait another year, I think you're going to be behind the curve a little bit. Go ahead, get in front of it. Like I said last week, sometimes you have to make a decision in a business a year early to get in front of things. And I think it's smart to go ahead and get in front of this. Now, we got the championship games out of the way. I want to talk a little bit about the new hirings that are happening around the NFL. And as you guys know, I talk about it all the time. The NFL right now is changing, and it changes every 15 or so years, and it is favoring the offense and QBs more than ever. It really started the change with Sean McVay a couple years ago when he came into the Rams with the new flashy offense look. Defensive-minded head coaches are going out the door. If you look at the playoffs when they started, a fraction of the head coaches that were playing were still alive. We're defensive-minded head coaches. Now, answer me this. Why would a team with a second-year quarterback that already had a terrible head coach that has been going through bad for years, why would a team go out and hire a defensive coordinator who lost to the Jaguars in his final game of the season to send his team to the playoffs? Because I'm I'm still trying to answer it, to be honest with you guys. The Chicago Bears did exactly that. They went out and hired Matt Ibliflus. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. He was the defensive coordinator for the Colts. And the Bears and their new GM is here to mess up things again. I truly did not understand the hiring of a defensive-minded head coach. You need someone to come in and groom fields as much as possible. Your defense, you've already gone this way. Matt Nagy, you went this way with your defense. You tried to just push, push, push on your defense. Defenses win championships. Well, guess what? It's the wrong time for that. It's a new era of the NFL. Things are changing. Things are happening. Defensive-minded head coaches aren't it any longer. And I do not see this working out for the Chicago Bears. Going on to another one that happened this week, the Raiders, they hired Josh McDaniels, Patriots offensive coordinator. I am very, very happy for Josh McDaniels. If you guys remember a couple years ago, he had the whole thing with the Indianapolis Colts where he was going there to be his their new head coach, and he turned that private jet around mid-flight and flew back to New England. He didn't want it any longer, and... He ended up staying in New England for a couple more years. He had a failed stint with the Broncos a couple years ago, and in my opinion, he was just way too young for the job at that point. And the big thing that I think is going to come from here, Josh McDaniels is one of my favorite coaches to ever come out of the Bill Belichick coaching tree. But often, the tree 
does not work out coming out. And coaching trees, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, obviously each year there's these legendary head coaches. You you can date all the way back to Vince Lombardi. You can go to Joe Gibbs. You can go to John Madden. Or I'm going to keep it more modern to explain it. Let's take Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. These guys both have offensive and defensive coordinators, quarterback coach, all these guys who learn under them for years. And then when those guys go and get a head coaching job somewhere, they get added to their coaching tree. Now, Bill Belichick's coaching tree has often not worked out. And I want to tell you guys why that is. I was listening to Michael Lombardi earlier this week, and Michael Lombardi was kind of like the GM for the Patriots. He worked at player personnel, was president, did a lot of things for the Patriots, and Bill Belichick also worked with the Browns back in the day as the GM when Bill was there, and really knows Bill Belichick's personality, the way he works, and what happens when guys leave. Now, the reason it doesn't often work, he said, was because people often go in and try to retrain instead of teach, just straight up break down and teach. And let me explain that to you guys. When coaches go in, if they don't hire a full new coaching staff with all guys who are willing to come in and learn, they have to be young guns, not old guys who want to stay in their way. Uh, He gave a great example. A lot of coaches will only look at the last three weeks of film. I didn't know that. They will only look at anything past three weeks ago. It's pointless. But Bill Belichick will study, it'll be week 17, and he'll study film from week one. So that's where the the lineup is. These coaches coming out of Bill Belichick's coaching tree expect perfection, expect nonstop, bang, bang, bang. And that culture is not put into place in other franchises. The New England Patriots is the only place where that culture is, and nowhere else is even remotely close. It's very hard to install Bill's way of coaching. I think the only way to go about it is to take Bill's way and you have to have your own way and those have to come together. And I think Josh McDaniels could finally be one of the guys to do that. I really like this hire for the Raiders. I'm really upset that they got rid of Rich DeSaka. I thought he was a great interim head coach to get them, the Raiders and Derek Carr, to the playoffs after everything that happened with them this season. And then you had Matt Gay and uh, or Max Crosby, sorry, and Derek Carr coming and supporting Rich and saying we want them as our coach. To go with someone else, I don't like that. But considering it's Josh McDaniels, the hottest guy on the market and has been for years, it's a good hire. Last team I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to be talking about two guys here. You guys have probably seen this all around the headlines this week. The Giants hired Brian DeBull, the Bills' offensive coordinator. And first, I'm going to talk about his press conference, and then I'm going to get in the Giants and what they've been doing with the Brian Flores situation. Press conference, for one, I loved. I think you could tell a lot about a coach from their opening press conference. You could tell a lot about how the way they're going to act. I think he is going to be great, and I, I... 
opening press conference, especially for guys like the Bull, who's Bill's offensive coordinator, had a great quarterback, stuff like that. You're you really see how they're gonna act, how they're gonna go about things. Like Dan Campbell biting off kneecaps. He has not lost that energy since day one. Now, I will say the one outlier here is Joe Judge. Because a couple of years ago when Joe Judge came in and had his opening press conference, everybody loved it, including myself. And he was terrible. I think Brian DeBull could be a very good hire. All I'm going off of is how he did with the Bills offense and his opening press conference. I really hope he's able to get New York turned around. That's a historic team. But honestly, with this stuff coming out about Brian Flores in the last week, could be starting the team could be starting to go down the gutter. Brian Flores, he's a fighter, guys. We've always known this about him. He got a lot of energy. He's a fighter. And black coaches, black players in the NFL, they are all at their wits and with what is going on. A few years ago, when my dad first told me about the Rooney rule, what happened this past week was my first thought was, oh, okay, a team will just go and interview somebody and it doesn't even matter like the the rule wasn't extensive enough to reinforce like you really have to consider a consider considerate a black head coach or a black offensive coordinator whatever and now we have one left in the league mike tomlin as black head coach And if you guys don't know what happened with Brian Flores, he had Bill Belichick text him earlier this week. Bill Belichick was essentially like, hey, I hear from the Giants that you're their guy. Congratulations. And Brian was like, oh, my God, thank you. And then he was like, coach, I just wanted to double check. Did you mean to send this to Brian Flores or Brian DeBull? Uh, Because I don't interview till Thursday. And Bill sent that text on Tuesday. Turns out Bill Belichick sent the text to the wrong person, which lines up everything with the Rooney rule has been BS for years. The 50 something page lawsuit that Brian Flores came out with cited evidence from the Broncos back in 2019 that John Elway and other ownership came in drunk and did not care about his interview They went in extensive detail about the Giants. And honestly, when I first saw the lawsuit, I was like, okay, I'm very happy this is happening. A change has to happen. But I didn't think anything would happen because of the way the NFL is. And that's very sad for me to think about. I'm like, what? That nothing could happen when something should happen. But now, then I went and did some research about the law firm for one. He's using the same law firm that won the settlement in the Fox News racial allegations cases a few years ago. And with all these NFL players, all the other black head coaches, and there was two pages in this lawsuit that was all about Eric Behenemies, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, background and skill set, and the other guys that have been hired over Eric Behenemy. The lawsuit lays it out clear as day. It's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. And I really hope that Brian Flores is able to make some change happen in the NFL because change is long overdue.
Now, the last topic I want to get into today is just my Super Bowl early thoughts. The Bengals versus the Rams, the opening line was minus three and a half, favoring the Rams. There's big stars on one side with the Rams, an up-and-coming team on the other side with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Boyd, big up-and-coming team. The Bengals lost to Zuma this past week. That really upset me. The Rams sold out this season. They've been selling out for season for seasons on end now. And the Rams are better in almost every position and coaching-wise. But the Bengals have Joe Burrow. I worry because Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow is a rookie and anything can happen in the biggest game of your life. But that's why I'm not giving you guys a pick today because I really want to look further at this game. Initially, money line wise, I'm leaning towards the Rams, but I would not be surprised if the Bengals won this game at all. This is one of the most not expected Super Bowls. And like, I don't know what to do Super Bowls. I just have to do more research. I can't wait for next week and be able to have people on. You guys, it's going to be a great episode. Like I said earlier, not going to want to miss it. Last thing is I'm going to address my picks from last week. I went 2-0 and on the spread, 3-2 and throughout the prop bets. It was another great week betting with at the Adam Eisen show. If I had to give an early line right now, I would probably pick Bengals plus three and a half. I think it's going to be a close game, like a 27-24 type matchup. And I'm really excited. February 13th could not come soon enough. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another edition of the Adam Eisen Show. Be sure to come back next week for the Super Bowl edition. I'll be having lots of guests on and a great show plan, so be sure not to miss it. Oh,